0: What is up, Internets? Welcome to the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense podcast, episode 41. All right, everybody, we have an exciting show for you today. This show started off with things that were happening here in Canada. So they're doing some restrictive stuff here in Canada with firearms. And I wanted to do a debate on firearms. And then I went into the research mode of researching firearms, which is the first time I've ever done it is now. And there's a lot of information on firearms and a lot of conflicting opinions. So the whole point of the show for The Devil's Advocate is, just in case you know who my guest is and you have no idea who I am, I need you to understand how the show works. So very simply, The Devil's Advocate is a show where we discuss hot-button topics in the self-defense and martial arts industry in a civil way. So the format of the show is a debate you might have heard argument, I am saying debate. What I mean by that is myself and my guests will be debating our points of the conversation and only our points. I will, as usual, be taking the devil's advocate side of this debate. I need you to understand, as being the devil's advocate during the free show, my job is to counter the points of my guests. These are not my actual thoughts feelings or views on the subject. We're just trying to create discourse so you can create your own opinion on these hot button topics. So today on the show, we have internationally known firearms instructor, Rob Pincus. Rob, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks, Randy. I am currently in Florida. I'm in my my mobile office. As you can see, I spend a lot of time traveling, including international travel, teaching in all aspects of personal defense, but I'm primarily known for my defensive firearms instruction and all of the education that goes around armed defense, whether that's for armed professionals, military law enforcement, security. I've worked with law enforcement uh, students in Canada, in fact, most recently out in Vancouver. I do a lot of teaching that is outside of the gun, but primarily it is firearms related, live fire training on ranges, mostly in the U.S., some in Europe, uh, some in Canada, and written several books, TV shows, lots of podcasts, lots of interviews, do a lot of distance education through an organization called Personal Defense Network, which we founded in 2010 and which actually grew out of a DVD series I did, a training DVD series that started in 2005. So I've been doing this for a couple of decades. I left full-time law enforcement in 2001 to start teaching full-time and continue to do it to this day, writing curriculum, developing programs for other instructors, and uh, talking with good people like yourself about important topics related to our rights when it comes to self-defense and firearms is something I'm, I'm very passionate about as well.
0: I did not know you were the guy behind the personal defense network. That is crazy. (laughs) So you, you, this is an introduction from my good friend, Paul DiRienzo. He said that you'd be a good guest for this. And then I, uh, not to be offensive, I, I hadn't, I've heard of you through him anecdotally, but then of course I looked you up and I was like, Oh my goodness. So you have some field experience in this. You're definitely one of those instructors who has a ton of knowledge. So how the show works. We have a couple of rules in order to make the debate go smoothly. The rules are very simple. Rule number one is we start as friends. We leave as friends. The whole point of this show is not to be two yelling, talking heads. You get enough of that every day in your mass media. The point of this show is to actually bring up topics that might change your opinion or give you a better formed opinion on this topic. The rule one, we start as friends, we leave as friends. Rule number two is there's 15 logic fallacies I sent ahead of time, but Rob didn't get them. Uh, I sent ahead of time. Uh, If you're caught in a logic fallacy, so an example is a slippery slope fallacy. If, for example, I say, well, if we allow this to happen, then this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, and I have a cascading amount of effects, Rob can say that's a slippery slope fallacy or that's a logic fallacy. That then means I have to stop Take a deep breath, say, sorry, Rob, I really apologize for using that slippery slope fallacy. Then I have to give a compliment across the screen so we stay friends. Your truck looks dope. Whatever you're in, looks like an amazing mobile office. And then I shut my mouth and let the other person talk. Getting caught in a fallacy will take away your ability to communicate in this. So we want to have rational, well thought out points. The format of the show is very simple. It's a 20 minute open debate. After the 20 minutes is done, we jump over to Patreon at the $5 level, $5 US dollar level. And there we're going to do the final thoughts where we speak about my actual thoughts on it, what we learned from the conversation, if there was a place where we were on the rope. So if you want to join us over there, feel free, or obviously just enjoy this free show where we will discuss this. So today the topic is, and we bounce back and forth this topic a couple of times, the more that I researched. So I'm going to be honest, it started off one way, but now we're going to speak about gun control. And does gun control stop gun violence is kind of the, the area we landed on rob is that correct yeah i think it's
1: i think it's a really good place to start and then obviously the conversation will will go where it goes i'm sure
0: Exactly. I'm really excited because, as I said to the listeners, if you're following me on social media, I've been stressing about this one, and there's a bunch of links that I followed and read. This is a heavy topic, and so we're just going to scratch the surface here, and then maybe if Rob enjoys the show, we'll bring him on for an interview, and we'll expand on some other thought process, not in debate format. So, the way it works, 20-minute debate. Rob has the first four minutes to frame the debate in the way he sees fit. Rob, what side of this debate are you taking?
1: I'm going to take the gun control does not work, to stop gun violence position.
0: Which then again, devil's advocate for self-defense, that's me, I am taking the opposite side of, I believe for the debate, calm down on your comments and your emails, for the debate, I am saying that it does not work. You're gonna have up to four minutes to do your opening statement, and then after that we'll go points, counterpoints, and we will do the rest of the show. All right, Rob, when you are ready,
1: go. When we talk about gun control, we talk about laws, put in place to restrict one's ownership or one's use or one's ability to be prepared to use a gun to defend themselves or people that they care about, we immediately are confronted with the fact that the people who are going to follow those laws, the people who are going to be influenced by those laws, are already, by definition, law-abiding citizens. Um, there are people who are conscientious, people who are considerate, people who are responsible. So th- the question is, what are we stopping with a law that is only going to have an immediate effect, a behavioral effect on people who are likely to follow the law. Well, we're infringing, as the word that's used obviously comes from the the language of the Second Amendment in the United States, we're infringing on those persons' ability to exercise their right to own the gun in places like the United States, or to exercise the option to own the gun and train with the gun and be prepared with the gun, regardless of what the the other outstanding or existing laws of the land are, wherever they happen to be. Um, For me, the root of the right to have access to a gun, or the reason that the option to have access to firearms is important, is what I consider to be a a self-evident right to personal defense or self-preservation. So if we believe that all humans have that right, the gun is merely a tool by which they can be prepared to exercise that right to defend themselves or others, and in, in many cases, it's the best tool. In some cases, it's not even an appropriate tool for that, for that exercise, but in many cases it is, particularly in the worst case scenarios of personal violence, um, in, in the worst case scenarios of mass violence it's the best tool as well when we start thinking about you know a country being invaded well an armed citizenry is a great way to keep your country from being invaded by an outside power as well maybe not as much of a concern in the modern era but certainly a philosophical concern when it comes to the population having the option of being armed the other side of that coin then is why why else or what else happens with guns other than the, the good that is done in terms of self-preservation of, of a righteous use of a gun to defend oneself. Then we talk about the negative outcomes of, viol- of violence with guns. And those negative outcomes aren't just, you know, the invasion from a foreign power. They aren't just a, a tyrannical government oppressing its citizenry. They aren't just violent actors, bad actors who aren't the people who are inclined to follow a law who are going to use the gun as a, as a means to rob, steal, hurt, rape, kill, murder, all that stuff. We also have those negative outcomes, which I'm very concerned about inside of the gun community that come from negligence, um, that come from the impulsive use of a gun to commit suicide, uh, that the things that happen when people who aren't mature enough or educated in the ways to use a firearm, children get access to guns and there's tragedies that come from that. So I put all of those things in the gun violence, right? So when we say does gun control work, to stop gun violence, I'm not just thinking of the bad guy with a gun. I'm also talking about those other negative outcomes. And I think the problem is that the laws don't change behavior for those who weren't already inclined to have those good behaviors anyway. And that's why I'm an advocate for education, not legislation when it comes to gun control.
0: This is great. There's a bunch of stuff when I was looking this up, as I mentioned earlier, that it's, this is such a, this is such a deep topic. So number one, I want to address the thing you said about that only people, only law-abiding citizens will follow the act. While I agree with that, the, the, this debate or this point seems to stem from that people are going to get access to guns anyways, illegally. I think it's overblown or oversimplified how easy it is to get a gun outside of a federal, outside of getting it from a gun store. So if we look at and I'm going to take a small synopsis, even though we're talking globally, anecdotally, anecdotally, with uh, talking with police officers here in the city I live in, most of the guns they confiscate are actually uh, guns that are legally purchased, but are tricked out of the owner's hands in order to get access to guns. So if those guns are banned, so let's look at like confiscation or banned guns for the little bit of this first chunk of gun control. If we remove the option of people being able to buy them, the odds of people actually getting them are much, much lower. There's a huge like black market argument, but I don't know where the black market is. I'm sure some criminals do, but I don't think every level of criminal has like a black car, black market card they're going to go with. So what are your thoughts on that? So if we take gun control as a big thing and piece number one is gun restriction, if we restrict the access to Uh, let's say the the commonality is assault weapons or military style, whatever that means, a semi-automatic, fully automatic. Okay, let's just use that as a better example than assault style or whatever that means. In that situation, if they don't have access to a black market and they're not being sold in stores, the odds of them getting that tool are very low.
1: I, I would absolutely agree. I would yield the point that restriction, confiscation, banning, when you remove, you know, let's, let's just imagine for a moment that you could snap your fingers and take 350 million guns legally owned in America, just, just in the United States. Just snap your finger, 350 million legally owned guns are gone. I don't know how many guns are left, right? That's the nature of the black market and the underground. We don't know how many are out there, but we know it's greater than zero. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the the issue of the, these these arguments, these debates, these discussions has to come down to to an absolute eventually, right? So when we say stop or end gun violence, again, I come down on the side of no. Would you influence the number of de- gun deaths? Absolutely, you'd influence the number of gun deaths. But here's the, the tragedy is how many lives are we trying to save while we're taking away the option that the law-abiding responsible person has to defend themselves. The, the bad guy doesn't need a gun to kill someone, right? The good guy may need a gun to defend themselves. And that's the, that's the, the, the great equalizer argument of the gun, right? You can take someone who's feeble, who's, who's weak, who's, who's ill, who's you know, uh, just a smaller statured person that might want to train and be fit and healthy against two guys with bats is going to lose if they have a gun, they could prevail, they could defend themselves. So so even when you take, if you took all the black market guns away, you took all the, the criminal access to guns other than legally owned guns away, the bad guy could still pose a threat to which the gun is the appropriate response. So so I, I yield the point for sure that you might make it harder for bad guys to get guns, but while you're making it harder for bad guys to get guns, you make it impossible for the law abiding citizen to have a gun, and that may be the only means they have to defend themselves under certain circumstances.
0: Excellent, excellent answer. So I'm gonna continue along this rabbit trail if that's okay. So then let's look at the restriction of automatic weapons. So let's not say semi automatic right now, just for this thought process. So, automatic weapons, I agree. Yes, if you're just attacking, there's two people attacking you then you're going to be better with a firearm. There's no way that's like Smith and Wesson made every man equals my favorite line. It, it's so very true. So I'm going to bring up Vegas as an example, because Vegas changed my thought process on uh, gun control a little bit. <laughs> this debate has changed it far more than that did, but the, the original was that now volume of people that can be killed. So I agree. People are going to kill people. We can look at the UK Right, they just traded gun crime for knife crime, and now they're trying to confiscate knives. That makes no sense, ridiculousness. Right, but the volume of people you can kill uh, less trained with a firearm far supersedes almost every other modality you can do outside of like learning how to make a bomb, which people obviously will probably do. But in this situation, for the debate, do you think that yes, I agree as a citizen, I should have a weapon, but do I need more than 10 bullets in that magazine? Do I is there a purpose for having multiple fire burst shots as a regular civilian for self-protection? Because if we're looking at the user end, like the self-defense side, that makes sense. But on the bad guy, the thick bad guy, we're talking about, but on the uh, bad guy side of this, the amount of people they could harm in like a mass shooting situation or a, and I don't even mean like school, I'm not trying to make this trigger. I just mean like the, the how many people they can take out in one sitting with that tool is higher than almost any other tool set.
1: I disagree with the premise, sure, because you know we have you know Timothy McVeigh, right here's a mass killer, you know domestic terrorist, four hundred and something people with a truck bomb right sure. uh, the, the The killing in Vegas is one that people talk about a lot in the us yeah. uh, fifty eight people were killed, hundreds were wounded, but the a year before a year and a half before that sixty something people were killed with a truck in the south of France. Sure. So so we we know that mass killings can happen with with arson with bombs with trucks with with whatever right there are other options so we don't really take away the ability of someone to kill lots of people quickly and and efficiently for lack of a better word just by taking away fully automatic semi automatic whatever firearms the other thing we have to remember is that it's if you're technically into guns it's very easy to modify a semi-automatic gun to a fully automatic gun illegally. So we we're, we're go back to the original point I made, which is yeah, if I someone's see. going to violate the law and be a killer, mm-hmm. the law against the, the, the legally owned fully automatic gun and the illegalness of a fully automatic gun, but the option of having a semi-automatic that's a, that's a very small technical leap with, mm-hmm. with very minimal to skills and minimal tools. This is probably less technically uh, challenging than making a good bomb, right? Or creating an arson situation, which would kill lots of people in a theater or in a school or something like that. So so again, we come back to, okay, so what are we going to restrict? How are we going to enforce it? Well, the leap from semi-automatic to fully automatic is, is a non-issue technically. So now we're talking about, well, let's restrict semi-automatic so that someone can't make it fully automatic. And now we're starting to encroach upon all of the other aspects of firearms ownership, right? Because forget about just the defensive aspect. You've also got the recreational, the use, the hunting use, the competition. There's all these other aspects of, of firearms as well that start to get influenced. Now, I'm not one to make a rights argument around, you know, having fun with your kids on the weekend, shooting a semi-automatic gun. Like, I get it. That's not what we're talking about. Let's look at it from the other side. What are we trying to stop? Well, if we go back to, I'm trying to stop bad guys from being able to hurt and intimidate people with firearms. If someone shows up with a single barrel shotgun and points it at my family, that's as intimidating as you're going to get, right? Like I'm not more intimidated because the guy pointed a semi-automatic or a fully automatic rifle. A 12 gauge single barrel shotgun pointed at my child is just, is exactly the same level of threat, danger, emotion, you know, urgency that I would feel if they pointed a fully automatic light machine gun at my child, right? It's still a lethal threat. So when it comes to negligence, when it comes to accidents, when it comes to suicide efficacy, in all those ways, going down to the single shot breech barrel shotgun, which is fundamentally like the the last thing that's going to get banned, right? That is just as deadly in all those other circumstances. So, so I, I, I fear that we end up in a situation where you say, well, we could keep the guy in Vegas from killing fifty people, he would only have killed ten people. Ten people is still a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and meanwhile, you're not really impacting the vast majority of gun violence by taking away semi-automatic or fully automatic.
0: Right. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna I agree ish. So I'm gonna go on this point sort of where you use the truck, yeah, and you use the bomb, but there's not nearly as many truck attacks or bomb attacks as mass shootings, even even remotely close. So the argument is that there would be, right? Well, so right, but we—that's fair, but that is applying. So that's technically a logic fallacy. I'm not going to call you on it for like the thing, but that's that's um, appealing to the unknown. Because we don't actually sure, know sure. if we got rid of that, right? So we can't use that for the debate. But I would, I would argue that you, you sort of made the point, though, for sure. me in
1: the example of the UK. Right. Because American gun advocates would say, well, if you take away the guns, they're just going to use knives or something else. Well, the UK, as you pointed out, is sort of proving that that isn't as much of an appeal to the unknown. We have right. the data set there.
0: But the data set shows much less deaths per encounter than mass shooting. So it still oh, proves the point I was absolutely that I was. Absolutely. Working. So if we're looking at like, um, so we're gonna obviously we have to bring up Australia in this conversation because everybody brings up Australia in this conversation <laughs> from my research. But so they got rid of the situation, right? So they took away the, the weapons. There was a ban and a confiscation and a buyback. Twenty years no mass shootings. I think maybe that's incorrect. Maybe they had one recently, but yeah, had, there was less. there was
1: there was one there was one that happened a few years after the ban. Okay, uh, and then there was another shooting incident more recently, but not as many people killed. But, okay. but to your point, a reduction.
0: Yeah, so that's what I'm looking for exactly. So if there was a reduction in it, also if we look at it from the other side, there was what state it was Missouri. Missouri had uh they actually repealed some of their gun control laws and they had a spike in gun crime instantaneously so again I think that points to this black market effect maybe isn't as strong as people are arguing that people might not have the access to the guns that are looking at but we're seeing and again these are just again I can't call you on saying one thing's an outlier and then use one specific point but for a topic of conversation what do you think about the Missouri thing where they pulled back the gun law? I'm just looking for the notes they have here. They pulled back the, oh yeah, they pulled back 2007, they pulled back their appeal to gun law and uh, homicides, not just gun related, but homicides in general went up 25%. I,
1: I, I can't speak to that. I don't know that data point from 2007, to be yeah. fair. Um, so I, I can't necessarily comment on that. I, I can say that when we look around the globe right when we take take because america is an outlier right the united states america is an outlier in terms of in terms of gun freedoms yeah. right yeah we can i can point to the czech republic i can point to other places where there's a, a relatively high gun ownership and relatively free access to guns in you know the more socialist you know fill out the, the paperwork Take the class, get the permission, but but people carry guns all over the Czech Republic. People carry guns and shoot guns in Italy. There's a lot of guns in other places, but nothing like the U.S. When we look at Europe, people look at uh, the 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 Beslan school terrorism, right? Bombs and guns. Obviously, there's a lot of firearms restrictions there. When we look at the Bataclan situation in Paris, uh, where clearly you know none of those guns were legal. They also Get touched on a lot and pointed at a lot. Well, look, they got guns, in, in that whole country, you can't own those guns. However, I've been in France, and I've had people show me their gun collections that aren't legal, right? <laughs> like, so my grandfather left me this, and I don't know what to do with it, so I've got it here on the farm, you know. And, and so there, there are black market guns out there. There are gray market guns out there. Like, I, I would consider. Someone who's got a World War II relic that was handed down from their grandfather in their, on their farm in France, that's a gray area to me, right? I, I understand why that's still in the attic or in the basement and why you have emotional ties to it. You don't want to turn it in. And by the way, you might in your brain really think that there could come a time when, when you're going to need that to defend yourself or your family on the farm and, and you know society collapses, you want the gun around. All of those arguments, I understand why they fall on deaf ears, right? So for someone who's saying, you're admitting, Rob, that if we take away the legal guns, it's going to mean less illegal guns. Absolutely. Because the guns that get stolen, the guns that get sold to your cousin's buddy at the party who may not be able to buy a gun legally, but he seems like a good dude, you know, and then it, he sells it to the guy that's definitely a bad dude. And then that guy robs somebody with it, and all of a sudden that's where you get this – that's where you get this, this anecdotal from the cops that say, well, yeah, the guns that we get were once legal guns, but then they end up in the black market. They end up in the hands of a criminal. All of that's valid. I don't think any of that validity refutes the concept or the, I, the principle that you need legal guns for the good guy to be able to defend themselves. So, yeah, the bad guy is empowered by that, right? It's easier to get guns when there's 350 million of them in a country of 350 million people. Like, there's, that's, that's it. We all get one, right? Like, it's easy enough to go find one. Making it harder for the bad guy to find one, in many cases, makes it virtually impossible for the good guy to have one when they need it. That's a
0: very excellent point. I guess then the last thing I want to say is we only have about two minutes left. And I want you to speak on this. You actually lumped in all the other stuff, the suicide and all that stuff. I wasn't going to cause some people don't like talk about that. But let's just really quickly, and you can end on this, I won't even say anything after, is what about the argument that when it comes to suicides, most people that attempt a suicide once don't attempt it again, and when they do do it with a gun, it's the most effective way because it's a weapon of opportunity. So having a weapon of opportunity then increases gun deaths, not gun crimes, but deaths by guns. 100%
1: 100% valid. Uh, absolutely. It's a big, big challenge we have inside of the gun community. Um, this this bracelet I'm actually wearing, I'm, I sit on the board of Walk the Talk America, which is a mental health organization, a mental health education and awareness organization focused on the gun community. Um, people can get free screenings, a lot of mental health resources at WTTA.org. I'll, I don't know if you can see that in there. But um, the that's something that's very close to, to my concern. And again, part of my work inside of the gun community is around education and awareness. So for example, um, everything you said are the things I say that, um, you know, there means matter is the the quote that comes out of a, a study uh, out of Harvard, this concept that if I try to kill myself by, you know, running my truck into an embankment, if I try to kill myself by hanging, if I take drugs, if I drink too much and then take pills or whatever, all of those things have have a generally uh, significantly higher survival rate. And then what the, the important statistic here is that something around 80%, depending on whose numbers you use, and numbers are always kind of goofy, but somewhere around 80% of people who survive a suicide attempt are still alive a decade later, right? So it, it's how, you know, eventually they die, right? They die of natural causes, like we get it. But, but this is a really interesting point to me that I think people should really dwell on for a second. If you're, If you're one that says, Well, we don't really know if people, we do know. The research is done. 80% of people who survive a suicide attempt are still alive a decade later. Um, There's some great interviews out there with people who like jump off of bridges and immediately realize, wow, that was dumb. You know, and they, on their way down, they're not thinking, ah, freedom, a release from all my troubles. They're thinking, oh my God, what did I just do in a panic? then they, they, you know, obviously these are people who survived the jump. There's one out there that you can find on YouTube really easily of a guy who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge who tells this kind of a story. So the, the, the other side of that coin is that if you take a gun and you put it to your head, you've got an 80% plus chance that you're going to be successful in your suicide attempt. And because so many suicides are impulsive, the idea is to what I say, we do, hashtag cause a pause. We want gun owners to secure their guns. We want gun owners to put them in quick access safes. We want them, especially if they're drinking, if they're going through a bad time, maybe even give the guns to your buddy, take the guns to the gun range. There's an organization here in the US called Hold My Guns, which works with gun ranges to help them legally and responsibly take the guns from people who might be in mental crisis or just going through a time in their life when they don't think access to the guns is the best for them. But the cause of pause is really simple. Put a picture of your kids, put a picture of your mom, put a picture of that place you want to go on vacation to, on your gun safe so that in that impulsive moment when you think all hope is lost and you just got to get out of this and you go to reach for the gun, you see that picture, you see that that flag, you see whatever it is that causes a pause, reminds you how much you have to live for, and hopefully you don't do that impulsive thing. So, so absolutely, uh, impulsive actions with guns is, is something that we're dealing with here in the U.S. I mean, uh, over a half of gun deaths every year are suicides and so these numbers that we get thrown out there 30 something thousand people die every year from gun violence more than half of them are suicides and we can impact that inside of the gun community without any legislation but with education and awareness
0: i love that so we went a little bit over on the time for the debate but if you've paid attention to my stuff mental health is such a huge portion of what i do that was such a great talk rob so we're gonna jump over to the five dollar level of Patreon. We're gonna continue this conversation in a less structured format. Although this was great, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you have you've you've gained another fan today. You're very articulate. I love your thought process. Not that you probably need me as another one, but you got one. Um, Rob, why don't you tell all the people who just heard you speak where they can find you?
1: You can find me if you're watching this. You obviously know how to find the internet. Uh, I'm on the internet. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are at Pincus Rob, P-I-N-C-U-S R-O-B. Uh, I'm on Facebook a uh, hundred different ways between Personal Defense Network and Walk the Talk America. Avidity Arms is a firearms manufacturing startup I've got going. Um, but the best place to get the training, mental health, all of the advocacy information, without you know pictures of me hanging out with my daughter and, and cooking steaks or whatever, is slash Rob Pincus Pro, P-R-O, like professional Rob Pincus Pro on Facebook. And then of course, personaldefensenetwork.com is the place to go to get training information. We've been uh, creating content there for over 15 years. We've got a great team of instructors, all aspects of security, safety, personal defense, even some health, fitness, nutrition stuff there, Uh, medical information. It's not just all guns. um, So it really does apply worldwide because Um, philosophically, personal defense, self-defense, taking care of yourself, being prepared to take care of your family in situations goes way beyond just, you know, shooting.
0: Let's everybody jump on Rob's stuff. And if you want more conversation with Rob, we're jumping over to final thoughts right now, Patreon $5 level. Every episode of every podcast I do has a final thoughts portion or a second Patreon portion. So feel free to jump over there. And if not, thank you for listening to the show. And thank you, Rob, for your time. This has been another episode of The Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense.